All right. Well, <clears throat> welcome to Blueprint. Would you say that with me today? Blueprint. That's the name of our brand new series, Blueprint. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 1. So Blueprint is this brand new series. Uh, it's a study on uh, the book of Ephesians. So we're going to be there. If you have your Bibles, turn there. Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, verses 1 through 3. Now, in a, in a nutshell, if you want the cliff notes, let me tell you what this book is all about. Okay, now this whole series is going to be a little bit more teachy, but there's a ton of stuff that, that we can practice. So it's a little bit more of like a, like a Bible study, but I think there is a lot that, that, that we will find useful for us today. In a nutshell, the book of Ephesians tells us how to make the most of what God has given us. How to make the most of what God has given us. Often what we see in life is we see that people who are very talented, people who are very skilled, fail because sometimes they get tired. You know, they just throw in the towel. They, they, they get weary and they, they give up on their marriage. They give up on their kids. Or they don't try as hard or they just get a little comfortable and um, they're not as disciplined with their finances. Uh, often it's our insecurities get, that get the, gets the best of us. People who are very talented, very skilled, uh, sometimes fail because of their insecurities. Sometimes it's uh, a matter of our mindset that just defeats us. And they just kind of just, you know, just bring us down. As you study, if you commit to the next four to six weeks, I don't know how long exactly it's going to be, but I'm thinking four to six weeks in this study. As we dig in into this book, here's what I challenge you to do, encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to read the book on your own, okay? This is one of my favorite books of the Bible. Often what I do is I'll go on a walk. Uh, I have the, the, the Bible app and the YouVersion app, and, and I listen to it as I'm walking. And I find, and I read it from the New Living Translation, I find when I do that, I can pretty much read through the book you know, a couple of times, depending on how long I'm walking. But it's, it's a great way to just dive in and just to get your mind thinking, I promise you this, if you get into this book, and it's not just me preaching, but you know, you, it's, it's got to be an active thing. You've got to be a part of it. You will feel more loved by God than you've ever felt before if you study this, this book of the Bible. Uh, you will feel more capable of doing things, the things that God wants you to do in your life right now. You know, that sense of inadequacy that we all have, that I'm, not, I'm not enough, can I do it? You know, am I competent? You know, can I, you know, that sense of inadequacy that we, we often face will fade away. As you study this book, it'll erode as you, as you learn from God's word. The problems, the stresses that you have, the, the evil that sometimes we see in the world, you look out and you, you know, all you have to do is just watch the news for you know, half an hour and you, you recognize all the junk that's going on, right? Um, it will scare you less if you get into this book and study what God's word says uh, it'll give you more confidence in the face of struggle. So today, we're going to be looking at the first, uh, the first three verses. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. And here's what God's Word says. So hopefully you're all there. Ephesians 1, verse 1, reading from the English Standard Version. Most verses will be on the screen. It says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, important sentence right there, 
to the saints who are in Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from our God, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. And we'll talk about that in the, in the coming weeks. But it's an important phrase, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that for the next 25 minutes and 22 seconds, God, that you would clear our minds, that you would empower me to preach your word, that you would supernaturally allow us to hear exactly what your spirit wants to communicate this morning. And God, I ask that you would, that, that we would take a nugget of truth from your word today and that we would apply it today and this week and the rest of the month and for the rest of our lives. God, I pray that you would give us something, one thing. It may be one statement. It may be one word in a verse. It may be a thought. It may be an illustration. God, I pray that, that there would be one thing that you give us today that you would just feed our souls in, in such a way that it would be practical, God, that we're not just looking at history, that we're not just looking at a book that was written hundreds of years ago, but that we're, that we're looking at your living word. God, this thing is alive. And so, God, I pray that you would just do a work that I can't do, that we can't do, that you would do a supernatural work in our minds and in our hearts. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of the message today is Anyone Listening? Is anyone listening? So, the first, there are four thoughts that I believe God wants to speak over your life today. Okay, there are four things that as I look at these three verses, I believe there are four um, thoughts that God says, you know what, I want you, I want, I want you to get this one thing, this nugget of truth, this one truth from, from God's word. And the first one comes from verse 1. Now listen to what it says, the first part of verse 1. It, here's Paul, who's the author of this letter, and he says, I am an apostle of Jesus Christ. Don't miss it, by the will of God. Now, this is huge. Now, you're thinking, why is this important? Well, let me give you a little bit of context, okay? Paul, at the time, was facing excruciating criticism. Have you ever been in a place at work with your family where you, feel, you felt attacked a little bit? You felt like, man, they just kind of you know, just planting seeds of doubts, and they're just kind of negative things, and it's, it was directed at you. Well, in this day and age, what people were saying is, is, is Paul really an apostle? That's the question that was kind of hanging around. Is Paul really, because an apostle is someone, this is what they believed, is someone who had walked with Jesus, an apostle is someone who literally journeyed with him, who spent time with Jesus here on, on planet Earth. And so his enemies were gossiping and were attacking his integrity, and they were saying, did this guy travel with Jesus? And the answer is no. Did this guy, was he like one of the fishermen? Remember the fishermen, the disciples? Was he like one of the fishermen? The answer is, nope, 
Nope, he was not a fisherman. Was he like a tax collector? Like, remember Matthew? Matthew was a tax collector. He was a disciple. Was he like one of those? Like, was he one of the 12 disciples? Nope, nope, nope. Was he in the, in the last, um, the, the upper room in the la- for the, you know, the last supper? Was he there? No. Then how is it possible that he's calling himself an apostle? And so when you look at it from the context of where he was at, he was being attacked. And what I want you to get here today, and here's where we get our first nugget of truth, um, and, and, and I'll give it to you here in a second. What you, under, what you have to understand is that Paul came after Peter. Paul came after James, after all those Matthew, all those disciples. He was born later. But he had a mindset. He could have said, man, I was born at the wrong time. I'm too young. And sometimes we use age as a limiting factor, right? When you're too young, when you're young, you say, I'm too young. When you're old, you say, I'm, I'm too old. When you're middle-aged, you say, you know, I just, I can't do it right now. Life is hectic, you know, like kids running around. But, but for the most part, age is always a limiting factor for us. And Paul could have said, came in at the wrong time i was born at the wrong time lord i wish man i wish you would have come to me a little bit sooner than that if i would have been a fisherman jesus would have tapped my shoulder and he would have said come on paul let's go born at the wrong time wrong place instead paul says instead of listening to his critics listen to listening to the inner voices we all have them right we all have the voices that say things. And, and when, you're, uh, when you're healthy, spiritually, emotionally, right? And when you're rested, you can recognize those voices a little bit better, right? But I don't, I'm not the only one that hears them, right? The negative voices in our lives, I'm not enough. You know, I know there are voices outside our heads that also say those things. But often the voices are right here. You know, you're not enough. It's the enemy. It's yourself. It's, it's people saying that instead of saying that Paul says I am an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of who the father number one I want you to write this down if you're taking notes here's what I think God wants to speak over your life today God sees potential in you that often others ignore God sees potential in each one of us that often other people around us will ignore Paul was born exactly at the right time Paul wrote 13 books of the Bible okay like his primary mission if you look at his life was to share the gospel with the Gentiles that's the non-Jewish people okay when you look in this room online wherever you're at today the vast majority of us have been reached because I mean when you go all the way back Paul is the one that initiated that mission to go after not just the Jews, Jewish, but the, the Jews, but the Gentiles. And so his story, his timeline, yeah, a little bit different, I get it, but it was only because his mission was a little bit different. Now, the question that you want to know today is how does this relate to me, right? Because that's what, you don't want to just study the scripture just for knowledge purpose, but like, how does this apply to me today? Well, when someone criticizes you, when they don't understand you, when they don't get you, when they, um, they question your way of thinking, when they question maybe a vision that God's given you or a thought that God's given you, an idea, an idea that God has planted in your heart, you've got to remember this point. 
Okay, let's put it, can we put it back up? God sees potential in you that often others ignore. Now, I want you to hear this, not just from me, but I want you to hear it from somebody else. Would you say that to someone else? If you're here in the room, just say it. Find someone close to you and say that to them because we all need to hear it. If you're online, say it to whoever's close to you. Go ahead, church. Let's say it to each other. God sees potential in you that often others ignore. Look at somebody close to you, tap him, and then wake him up if they're already asleep and tell him, Say it one more time. I want you, I want somebody, I want every single person here and online to hear it. Let's say it one more time. God sees potential in you that often others ignore. I don't have this on the screen, but I want I want to read from Psalm 139, verse 13 through 11. So the reference, Psalm. 139 verses 13 through uh, 13 through to uh, 18 excuse me watch what God says about you it says this for you created my inmost being this is what God's word says about you and me the psalmist says this you knit me together in my mother's womb I praise you I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made your works are wonderful I know that full well my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret in the secret place when I was woven together in the depth my my your eyes watch this watch this and I'm and I'm reading it so your eyes saw my unformed body all the days Ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. I don't quite understand man's free will versus God's sovereignty, right? And like the whole predestination idea, I don't quite, I don't, I mean, books have been written on the, on the topic, but when I look at God's word, what, and I take it by faith, and I have to agree with it, and what it says is, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So I have to somehow believe that God knows ahead of time every step that was going to happen in my life. Your eyes, your eyes saw my unformed body Watch this, watch this. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, were I to count your thoughts, they would outnumber the grains of sand. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 18. You know what these verses are teaching us today? What these verses are saying is that God thinks a lot more of you than you do sometimes. God thinks a lot more of you than you do sometimes. Every thought, everything that you've ever done, God's already in his, in his sovereignty. He already knew it. He knows everything that you're dealing with. He knows every situation that you encounter, the good, the bad, the ugly. He knows it all. And so great success is often met by great criticism. Don't let your critics win. God sees potential in you that often others ignore. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. 
Period. Enough. I don't need the approval of people. God called me to do this. I'm going to do it. Does that make sense? I love, I love the fact that Paul begins this letter with the very thing that they were criticizing him with. And he doesn't allow his critics to win. I wish I had that attitude. Alex, a child of God by the will of the Father. Period. Nobody can take that from me. You know, nobody can take that from you. Number two, look at the second half of the verse, okay? So he says this. So he says, to the saints who are in Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Now, I want to kind of slow down there for a little bit. It says, to the saints who are in Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. When you think of a saint, when you think of a saint, what, what comes to mind when you think of a saint? Like, like for some of us, we don't necessarily immediately think about people, okay? Some of us will, but not everybody. And I don't know if it's because I was born in South America and, you know, the Catholic religion is big. And so saints have a sort of an image in my mind, a statue made of plaster, plastic, you know. But it's interesting when you look up the word saint in the dictionary and you compare it to the definition of what a saint is in the Bible and here in this verse, very opposing definitions. Let me kind of share with you. So the American Heritage Dictionary says this. This is what a saint is. A person officially recognized as being entitled to public veneration, like so people should, you know, worship them, I guess. A, a person officially recognized, officially recognized, as being entitled to public veneration and capable of interceding for the people on earth. The Catholic religion would probably agree with that definition. Let me give you the second one, right? Right under that, let me, let me tell you what it says. What a saint is. A person who has died and gone to heaven. Now, neither one of those definitions actually fits the people of Ephesus that, that God is addressing them, right? That he's, he's, he's saying to the saints who are in Ephesus, who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Neither one of those two definitions actually fit them. The idea that a, a saint is some sort of person who lives a, a perfect life and then they're given some sort of special uh, assignment, not, uh, not an assignment, recognition, some sort of special designation in death, like not biblical at all. That's not the definition that, that, God, that God gives us in his word. You know what a saint is, biblically speaking? A saint is someone who has been set apart. Someone who's been set aside, set apart, all right? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick on one of you guys, okay? So just to illustrate this, okay? Um, let me see, who should I pick on? Um, let, me, let me pick on Mike. Mike, would you mind coming up here? You guys give it up for Mike. Mike, would you, you, would you come, Mike Phillips? Mike is one of our elders. Come up here. I'm not going to make you. I promise you he doesn't know I'm doing this. I, I promise you I'm not making you, um, I'm not making you say anything. You don't have to dance or anything. Would you just, just sit here and just kind of just, just sit there for a minute? That's what a saint is. Well, not really. We, 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 we know. <laughs> we know better. <laughs> Why don't I give you a big head or anything, Mike? <laughs> But biblically, biblically, a saint is someone who has been set 
apart. Now get this, don't miss it, because we're gonna we're we're getting to our second point here in a minute. Okay? When you're a Jesus follower, you receive the gift of salvation, you receive God's love, okay, in your life, you receive his forgiveness. Christ is the one that sets you apart. Okay? Christ is the one that says, You're gonna be different. You're not gonna be, you're not the same person. And so a saint is someone who's set apart. It, it, the word sanctified comes from it. If you're a believer, if you're a Jesus follower, you're a saint, you've been set apart by God. But here's the key thought that I want you to understand. You and I, if you're a Jesus follower, we are saints not because of what we've done. It has nothing to do with what we've done. It's all because of what Christ has done for us. So here's the second point. Here's the second point. Let's put it on the screen. Here's what I believe God is saying to all of us. The Christian life is not about achieving some sort of sainthood, some sort of status where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to arrive to this place. And when I do more good things than bad things, I have arrived and I now I have recognition so that somebody here on earth can officially, you know, whatever the dictionary said, worship me or whatever. That's not at all what the... God's word says a saint is. Now, the Bible does say, God says, that you are a saint. So how are we gonna, how are we going to what you know, and I know you're not a saint, Mike. <laughs> but God says you are a saint. Now get this, get this, get this. You're a saint, not because of what you've done, but because of what Christ has done. So you're already there. You may not feel worthy of that designation, but it's not about your feelings either. It's about what Christ has done for you. God never calls you a sinner either. Paul calls himself a sinner. He calls us, and we are sinners, don't, don't get me wrong. But God, the designation that he gives you is a saint. Because when he sees us, he sees us through the eyes of Christ, And so you guys give it up for Mike. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to hold you there the whole time. Here's the third. Here's the third. Here's the third thought. Great job, buddy. Here's the, here's the third thought that I think God wants to speak of your life. And I, I also believe this is the reason why he calls the Ephesians faithful saints. You see, they grew up in a city. They lived in a city that was very wicked Ephesus was a very wicked place in the middle of the city they had this temple and um, they worshiped different gods okay the city had about 250,000 people which is a large city for that in that day and age you know 250 300,000 people is a large city um, in that day and age so in the middle of the city they had the temple they worshiped this god called Artemis and um, uh, it there was lots of sexual immorality in the city. Um, when you think of Ephesus, I want you to think of probably the worst day that Las Vegas or Amsterdam may have as far as sexual immorality and gross immorality. The worst day they may have. That's what I want you to think of. Like, honestly, like as I was reading some of the history behind it, like I can't mention that. I can't mention, I don't feel comfortable. Like I would be embarrassed to tell you some of the things, that, some of the sexual acts, okay, that they were, 
that were happening in Ephesus, okay? And so this is where these Christians are at, these believers are at, okay? And, um, and then what made it worse is that they combined worship with their sexual immorality. And so, so it wasn't two separate things, you know, we, and I'm not talking about the Christians, okay? I'm not talking about the Christians that Paul is talking about. I'm just talking about in the society, the culture, okay, in Ephesus. It was not abnormal to go to church to experience, to have a, a worship experience and incorporate sexual immorality with that. And I, I'm, that's as far as I'm going to go, okay? Because I, I really, you know, we have children in the room and I don't want to go any further than that. And so it wasn't just that it was a morality, it's that they combined it with worship. Number three, and this is why it's important. When you study those believers, and when you look at the history, what you learn is that they had a huge impact in Ephesus. Number three is this. Your calling, your calling, and we're like, well, what do you mean my calling? I'm talking to those of you who are Jesus followers, okay? If you say, man, I'm in this guy, Jesus, like he seems to be the right thing. I may not like Christians, but I like, I like Jesus, and I'm going to try to follow his principles. You're calling as a Jesus follower, okay? And I know that not everybody here is necessarily a believer, but you're calling as a, if you are a Jesus follower, with all of the values that you learn from God's word, with all of the principles that you, 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 you receive from God's word, your calling as a Jesus follower can be a greater influence than your culture. And the proof is the Ephesians at Ephesus. They were in a very wicked city, but in this place, Paul stayed three and a half years, the longest he ever stayed. The church was growing so rapidly that he couldn't move on. Usually Paul would just stay maybe a couple of weeks, maybe a month or two, and then he would go and he would plant another church and he would get him started. This church was growing so fast, so rapidly, that he sends his favorite guy, Timothy, to pastor the church. And it is from Ephesus that Paul has the greatest impact worldwide. Christianity actually is spread. The gospel is spread from Ephesus to Asia to the rest of the world. And it was in the worst of the worst places it could have happened. And so your calling as a Jesus follower can be a greater influence than your culture. Now the question I asked earlier is how does this relate to you and to me? Well, I'll tell you how. You and I if you're a Jesus follower, we have a calling in our lives. We have a mission, okay? Not, not just the preacher, but all of us. And that is this, to be a visible, tangible impact in our world today. Did you know you were born for this generation? Do you know that? Just like Paul, like God, like, remember that verse we read in Psalm? Like, he knew exactly the moment Paul was going to be born. He knew exactly the moment that you were going to be born. And so God says, I need this person in this location for such a time as this. You were born for this generation. And your job and my job is to be a visible, tangible, tangible impact in our world today. This is why I implore you, we have share the love. The end of July, every single one of us should be doing something. It's a, and I know it's just an initiative. It's not everything that, it's not everything that we are, right? But it's a, it's just a, to jumpstart us, to motivate us to do. So we're gonna spend one week. 
the end of July to love this community like crazy. We're going to feed everybody. We're going to love everybody. Just uh, Friday, 7,000 people showed up at the airport. We had hundreds of vehicles parked right here. We open up the doors to our church. We have a ton of volunteers welcoming them and loving on them. Well, that was just kind of like a little initiative, okay? And I love it that, that we, we are at a church where you don't have to really beg people to do this. Because their hearts are just overflown with God's love. And so I don't know where you stand with the whole Roe v. Wade decision, but I know that there is a plenty of disagreement. I already heard that there was a church that got that split up. Last week I heard there's a church that split up because of the whole Roe v. Wade. And so I don't know where you stand on the whole idea. But what I do know is that there are going to be some people, there are going to be some young ladies, and actually any of any age, that are going to need love some love some visible tangible love not like oh yeah we love you we're for you no 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 like like i am here for you like whatever it takes the human soul somebody told me this this morning i I felt like it was for the message the human soul needs to be known heard and loved I, i picture a plant you know, and with, with the, the drought that we have right now, like everything is dying, right? Well, I, f- I feel like it's like that, right? Our human souls, they need those three components, those three ingredients. They need to be heard, known, loved. And so wherever you stand on the whole issue of Roe v. Wade, I don't think it matters. Don't even tell me. I don't, I don't really care. What I do know is that there are some people that need to step up and in love, not in judgment. Someone said it like this. All that's required for evil to win is for some good people to do nothing. All that's required for evil to win is for some people, some good people to do nothing. And so I'm putting, it, I'm putting it on you. You are the church. You know, I have the privilege to lead this church. But the truth is, I'm not the church. We are the church. When I came to this church almost five years ago, I said, how is the church known in the community? And the leadership team and the personnel team and the, the group of volunteers who were hiring us, they said, we're not known. We're known more as Dixie than as LifePoint. And so then th- that, it broke my heart. That if LifePoint ceases to exist, nobody would miss us. Then we're not, we're not really the church. Because the church has a mission. You were born to make a difference in this world. Now, your calling can be a greater influence than your culture. D- do you hear what I'm saying? Like, the culture doesn't always dictate everything that we do. Okay? And so the proof is the efficiency. William Ramsey said this. He's an archaeologist famous archaeologist he says in Ephesus an easygoing Christianity could have never survived I could have not it could have not conquered and tamed the world an easygoing Christianity in Ephesus would have not worked Jesus would have become just another God on the shelf with all the other gods that they had they had many gods that they worship but because they took a stand Not on issues, but on who the Son of God is. It's the way, the truth, and the life, right? Because they took a stand and they said, we're going to live the way Jesus lived. When you study 
what Jesus, the way he behaved, read the whole Gospel of John. When Jesus got upset, it was usually at, at the religious people. It was never to those who were not in church, per se. When you look at the character of Christ, the, the times where he like, man, he's stepping on toes and he's being a little bit like brutally honest, it was usually us. And so is anyone listening to that? Anyone listening? Anybody out there? Anybody listening to what God has to say today? Number one, four things that I believe God wants to speak of our lives. God sees potential in you that often others ignore. Number two, your life is not about achieving some sort of status. Okay, that doesn't mean that you don't stand up for anything. Number three, your calling as a Jesus follower can be a greater influence than your culture. In other words, your life matters. You're born for this generation. And number four, we'll close with this. Don't, don't, do not ignore the blessings that God has given you. I'll close with this. In 1916, Hetty Green left a state valued at over a hundred thousand, hundred million, excuse me, a hundred million dollars. Can you imagine leaving a state over a hundred million dollars? That was in 1916. That's a lot of money, all right? Today it would be about $2.6 billion. I looked it up. It's like, what would a hundred million dollars be in 2022, 1916? $2.6 billion. What would you do if you go home today and you find out you have $2.6 billion in your bank account, right? Like, like, I don't know if that excites you a little bit or not, but I think that would be a fun day, you know? <laughs> she um, ate cold oatmeal every single day. She hated it. But you know why she ate cold oatmeal every single day? She didn't want to pay for the oil to heat her oatmeal. And so she was filthy rich, but he was, she was miserable. She had all this money, but she would not spend it. In fact, the story is told that um, her son had to have his leg amputated because... She was looking for, he got a, her son got a disease or something, and she was looking for a free clinic. And um, couldn't find a free clinic fast enough, so they had to amputate his leg. And so she was a wealthy individual, but she chose to live a poor life. And I'm afraid that that's the same way we live our lives spiritually. God has given us all of these blessings, but we live spiritually poor. Look at the verse. We'll wrap it up with this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in Christ with every, listen to it, every spiritual blessing. When you read that, our minds, we edit this mentally. Yeah, 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 I know I'm blessed, but look at all my problems, right? We get distracted. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing does not mean some. 
It does not mean your share, your portion. It does not mean most. No, every spiritual blessing means all. Unlimited. Every single one of them. So if I, on my way home, if I stop at a, at a Taco Bell and I said, and I said, I said to them, give me every bean burrito that you have. Let's just say that I'm hungry and on my way home, I stop at a Taco Bell and I say, give me every single bean burrito that you have. That's a lot of bean burritos, right? You know what God is doing? God is turning up the volume. And over the next few verses, and we're going to look at this next, next couple of weeks, we're going to see how one of the blessings that chose us to be holy and blameless. Another blessing is that he adopted us into his family. Another blessing is that he redeemed us, he chose us, he, he forgave us, he rescued us. Another blessing is that he has shown us the mystery of his will. You want to know God's will for your life? Well, it's in God's word. We just have to study it a little bit. And so with heads bowed and eyes closed today, I wonder. I wonder how many of you here today would say, man, I... Sometimes I lose track of why I'm here on planet Earth. And I'm focused on work, and I'm focused on my family, and I'm focused on this. But I, I want, I hope that you hear what God is saying to, to you today. God sees potential in your life for something that will outlast it. Not just your days here on earth, but for something that will, a legacy that you, you leave behind. Not for your sake, not for your name, but for his name. And so, as we pray today, God, thank you for the reminder that you see potential in us that others won't see. God, help us understand that this Christian life is not about achieving some sort of status, some sort of sainthood. But our calling is real, and it needs to be real in tangible ways, God. And so help us to understand that we can't can make a difference in our culture. We don't have to be, the pendulum doesn't swing the other way so much that we just don't do anything. There is a place to stand up in love. There is a way to speak in love, to give truth. And God, I pray that as we study this book, we would not neglect the fact that it's you. It's the blessings that you've given us. And so God, I pray that we would listen. God, I raise my hand today. I'm listening, Lord. I'm here. Use me. Whether it's share the love, whether it's something else, whether it's this, this next, next week, whether it's an invite card, whether it's a kind text or a prayer, God, use me. Father, thank you for the reminder. May we have the, the attitude that Paul had in the middle of the criticism, in the middle of all, with all the, the voices questioning him. Thank you that he wrote this letter and that from a prison cell, he changed the world because of what you've given us. May we be inspired to do the same, we pray. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.